Hey everybody, it's February 8th, and today's quote of the day comes from Carrie Fisher. And I love this quote. She says, I don't want life to imitate art. I want life to be art. So, I just love that quote. Hope you did too. Okay, hope your February 8th is rocking. And I have more coming up. Horoscopes. So, Thursday, February 8th, horoscopes. Linda C. Black, astrology. Aries. The next two days favor travel and exploration. Push your boundaries and frontiers and try new ideas, culture, flavors, and points of view. Taurus. Take action to grow shared financial accounts today and tomorrow. Make investments. Set up automatic deductions or revise budgets. Discover unexpected savings. Gemini. Get twice as far with the help of a partner. Find efficiencies by sharing the load. You can profit now from a dreamer's vision. Collaborate. Cancer. Your talents are getting popular. Reduce stress by scheduling carefully. And guarding time for exercise, healthy meals, and rest. Postpone non-essential tasks. Leo, plan some fun for the next few days. Physical action gets results. Raise the level of your game with practice. Save time for romance. Virgo, pour energy into a domestic project for long-lasting results. It's amazing what a coat of paint can do. Transform your home with decisive action. Libra, get your message out and it travels farther than expected. Passions are stirred up. Stay respectful. Keep digging and find a valuable clue. Scorpio, the next two days could get especially profitable. Actions taken now can have long-term benefit. Push to gain more authority and income. Sagittarius, Use your power and confidence to advance a personal dream. Move quickly and get farther. Find valuable efficiencies and shortcuts. Capricorn. If you push too hard, you can burn out. Slow down and recharge batteries. Strategize and plan for simple solutions. Envision and dream. Aquarius. Pull together as a team. Together you can advance farther than expected. Many hands make light work. Invite your crew to participate. And finally, Pisces. Crazy dreams seem possible. Follow a professional ambition with decisive action to reach new levels. Strategize and then move the pieces into place. And these are your horoscopes for February 8th, Thursday. February 8th, Today in Rock, 1956, after placing nine previous records on the Billboard pop chart, Bill Haley and his comments enjoy their biggest hit when See You Later, Alligator, peaks at number six. In 1958, the Diamonds had the best-selling record in the United States with their version of The Stroll. The song also reached number four on the Billboard pop chart and number five on the R&B chart. 1959, Johnny Cash performs his number one Billboard country chart hit, don't take your guns to town on the Ed Sullivan Show.
1960, Bobby Rydell's Wild One makes its debut on the Billboard chart, where it will reach number two. It also made the top ten in the UK. Also, same year Teen Angel by Mark Dinning hit number one in the U.S. The song had been written for him by his sister Jean, who also recorded as one of the Dinning sisters. Some radio stations banned the song, and in the U.K., where it barely made the top 40, it was called The Death Record. 1963, the Four Tops are inked to Barry Gordy's Motown label and receive a $400 signing bonus. 1965, the Dave Clark Five begin filming the movie Catch Us If You Can. 1967, English duo Peter and Gordon announce their split-up. 1969, George Harrison's tonsils are removed at London's University College Hospital and are then destroyed so they can't be sold. 1971, Frank Zappa's concert at London's Royal Albert Hall is cancelled after a representative of the venue found obscene lyrics in the score of 200 motels. In 1975, Zappa lost a lawsuit against the Hall for breach of contract. 1975, the Ohio Players topped the Billboard Singles Chart with Fire and the Hot 200 Album Chart with an LP of the same name. Same year, Engelbert Humperdinck's Greatest Hits starts a three-week run at the top of the UK Album Chart. 1980, David Bowie and his wife Angie are divorced after nearly 10 years of marriage. David is awarded custody of their nine-year-old son, Zoe, now known as Duncan Jones, while Angie received a 30,000 pound settlement. At the time of David's death in January 2016, Angie admitted that she hadn't spoken to her son in over 28 years, saying he decided he didn't want to see me, and that was that, no problem. 1988, the surviving members of The Who reunite for their 25th anniversary at the televised British Phonographic Industry Awards in London. Their three-song medley of My Generation Substitute Who Are You runs past their time slot, forcing Rick Astley to accept his award for Best British Single Off the Air. 1990, 50-year-old Del Shannon died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound at his home in Santa Clarita, California. Shannon was rumored to take Roy Orbison's place in the Traveling Wilburys at the time of his death, he would be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1999. 2005, Keith Knudsen, longtime Doobie Brothers drummer, died of pneumonia after a long battle with cancer, and he had been in the hospital for more than a month. The same year, Burton Cummins and Randy Bachman, core members of the Guess Who, were inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. 2006, Sly Stone, made his first major public appearance since his 1993 induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when he appeared at the Grammy Awards in Los Angeles. The 61-year-old Slide joined in briefly during a multi-artist tribute to his music. 2011, Nielsen Soundscan reported that since Steven Tyler started appearing on American Idols on January 19th, sales of Aerosmith's greatest hits collections have shot up more than 250%. 2013, Aerosmith frontman Steven Tyler appeared at a Hawaii legislative hearing to promote a bill that would give celebrities the power to sue paparazzi who take photos or videos of their private lives in an offensive way. In early March, the bill would be passed by the Senate, but received no support from the House of Representatives. 
That same year, Whitney Houston's mother, Sissy, blasted organizers of the Grammy Awards Eve party for inviting her to the event. Whitney drowned in the bathtub of her L.A. hotel suite while she was getting ready for the bash last year, and Sissy said it's obscene to think she'll celebrate the anniversary of her daughter's passing at the hotel where she died. 2015, the 57th Grammy Awards included Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga's Cheek to Cheek for Best Traditional Pop Vocal Album. And this is your day. So, there is an article now online published by the Daily News, that Quincy Jones calls Beatles the worst musicians. Says Michael Jackson stole songs, and this was written by Rachel DeSantis. It goes like this. Legendary music producer Quincy Jones dished on what he really thinks of some of his most famous collaborators, from the Beatles to Michael Jackson, in a wide-ranging interview with Vulture. Well, that explains a lot right there, folks, doesn't it, Vulture? Though they're widely regarded as one of the greatest bands to ever play, Jones' first impression of the Beatles was hardly complimentary. In fact, his initial reaction to the mop-top Liverpudlians was that they were the worst musicians in the world. They were no playing mother dot 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 ours. Fill in the blank there. He took particular issue with Paul McCartney's bass playing skills. Paul was the worst bass player I ever heard, and Ringo's drumming. Don't even talk about it. Jones recalled in a particular studio session in 1970 in which he was working on a version of Love is a Many Splendored Thing for Star's debut studio album. Well, the producer said Star was trying and failing for hours to master a four-bar thing and couldn't perfect it. So Jones suggested he get some lager and lime and some shepherd's pie and take a time out. Whew! While Star was gone, Jones said he called up jazz drummer Ronnie Varell to master the bit in 15 minutes, and when Star heard it, he was impressed. I said, yeah, mother dot 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 are because it ain't you, Jones recalled. Meanwhile, Jones had plenty more to say on Michael Jackson, who bought the Beatles catalog in 1985 as part of a multi-million dollar deal for Sony ATV. Jones, who famously produced many of Jackson's albums, including 1982's record-shattering Thriller, described his late pal as a Machiavellian and greedy man who swiped tracks from other artists without credit. Jones, 84, cited Billie Jean as an example and said the riff came straight from the 1982 Donna Summer track State of Independence, which Jones had produced and on which Jackson sang backup. I hate to get into this publicly, Oh, okay, Quincy, I can tell you really hate to get into this publicly, but you're talking to the Daily News. But Michael stole a lot of stuff. He stole a lot of songs, Jones said. The notes don't lie, man. He was as Machiavellian as they come. The producer also referenced a similar situation with the song Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, saying keyboardist Greg Falangans wrote the song C-Section and deserved royalties. I can't say that guy's name. I don't, I don't know how to say it. Greedy, man. Greedy. Michael should have given him 10% of the song. Wouldn't do it.
Jones said. Whew. Jackson died in 2009 at age 50 of an acute propofol intoxication, putting an end to a life, Jones says, was marred with pain stemming from abuse as a child. I used to kill him about the plastic surgery, man. He'd always justify it and say it was because of some disease he had. Bold dot 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 T, Jones said. He had a problem with his looks because his father told him he was ugly and abused him. What do you expect? Jackson and Starr weren't the only singers Jones took issue with. He also relayed a story about Cindy Lauper's participation in the famous charity single, We Are the World, saying she whined about the song and ruined every take with her rattling jewelry. Oh, damn. Jones did have some positive things to say, really, about the state of music today, despite gripes that most modern artists don't have enough musical knowledge to create decent work. He praised Bruno Mars, Chance the Rapper, Kendrick Lamar, Ed Sheeran, and Sam Smith, among others. I like where Kendrick's mind is. He's grounded. Chance, too, Jones says. And the Ed Sheeran record is great. Sam Smith, he's so open about being gay. I love it. Mark Ronson is someone who knows how to produce. I don't know, guys. That's a lot to absorb in one article. I don't even think I could... So today there is an article, Google executives are floating a plan to fight fake news on Facebook and Twitter. Um, yeah, this is a slippery slope. Really slippery. Because if you start doing that, you're kind of like saying Google is omniscient. And, you know, what if they make a mistake? What if somebody posts something and they deem it to be untrue, but it's actually true, and the all-knowing Google or the all-knowing Facebook uh, actually gets it wrong? Uh, I don't think it's a good idea. You know, the thing is, is that I read a lot of stuff on Facebook and, you know, the memes and stuff, and the first thing that I always think is common sense. If it's a statistic, where did it come from? Most of the memes just have these statistics and no source, no reference. Okay, I can do that. I can write a meme that says 27% of people believe this and 47 people believe that. You know, anybody can do that. You can't rely on these memes for factual information unless they back it up with something. Most of the time it's nothing. Same thing for, like, even there's stuff about avocados will do this for you and potatoes will do that for you and use this for your hair. And, you know, some of that stuff is trying to be good information, but, again, it may or may not work, may or may not be true. And so I think that Google really shouldn't even take this on and Facebook shouldn't take this on. It's up to individuals reading because if you start taking something like this on, it's really almost, um, you know, it's, it's tangling with censorship is what it's doing. And that's a bad idea, especially in the United States. You know, we pride ourselves on being the country that some idiot can stand on the corner and, you know, lie like a jackass and not be scrutinized or killed for it. Well, we used to anyway. 
Social media does bash a lot, I noticed, and social media does uh, kind of censor people uh, more probably than it should be doing, but everybody's got an opinion, and if you don't have the opinion of the majority, you know, put your helmet on because social media will bash you, but all that aside, you know, that's the risk of stating your opinion on social media. I don't think that somebody like Google, who is already a little too powerful, people feel, already a little bit too uh, umbrella-ish over social media, should take on now this role of, is it fake news or is it not fake news? Same thing with Facebook. I would say stay away from it. That's not what Facebook is about. I know that they, maybe they're concerned in a parental way that people are reading things and it might not be good information, but, you know, you got to be a responsible reader, and education does that. Education will make you a responsible reader. I don't need Facebook to make me a responsible reader, and neither do you, and we don't need Google to do it either. And I want to have other sources. I want to be able to go outside the realm of Google and fact check and look and, and read things and talk to people because you never know. Something could be factual. So even though they had this nice conference and they're talking about it, I got to tell you, this is something that I do not like. I do not think it's good. And I think they should take a pass. Take a pass, Google and Facebook. Just be there. Just serve your public and let your public get egg on its face for bad information. This is not your responsibility. All right, so that was my opinion. That was my little, it's not really a rant. It's just an opinion. Um, if anybody wants to give me their opinion, you can send me at Twitter, AP520. Send me your opinions. I'd like to hear them. Okay, bye. And all my music today was about flying. I don't know even why. So this poem is somewhat about flying. This is by Maya Angelou, and it's called Caged Bird. A free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the current ends and dips his wing in the orange sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks down his narrow cage can seldom see through his bars of rage. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still, and his tune is heard on the distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom. The free bird thinks of another breeze and the trade winds soft through the sighing trees, and the fat worms waiting on a dawn-bright lawn, and he names the sky his own. But a caged bird stands on the grave of dreams, his shadow shouts on a nightmare scream, his wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown, but longed for still, and his tune is heard on the distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom.
She is such a beautiful writer. She is such a beautiful soul. I just love Maya Angelou. So that's it for me today, guys. It was kind of short. I had a really hectic day, and I'll see you back here tomorrow. Take care.